Thank you, Rick. Nancy, be turning to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 will begin in verse 1. While you're turning, just a couple of things. Uh, this afternoon, I'll be taking care of the worship service at Dudney Wood. Uh, of course, you know, we have three of our own that are in Dudney Wood. Uh, Betty Krieger and uh, Betty Ramsey and Betty Dunn. So I go to the Dudney Wood to see the three Bettys. And, and while I'm there, I typically catch them around lunchtime and go from different tables and speak with people and all. I've made a lot of friends at Dudney Wood. The first Sunday of every month, uh, I take care of the worship service there, 2 o'clock. Uh, if you'd like to go and uh, enjoy the worship service, they'd like to see you there. They're always looking for, uh, always enjoy a new face and uh, some visitors there. Uh, and also, talking about uh, Brother Randy over at uh, First at Waldo, uh, I believe what we are dealing with is he's talking about local missions. Uh, you know, on our motto on our sign down the road is reaching the world and starting here. Uh, from talking to uh, Brother Randy while I was driving across the prairie the other day to get here, uh, he's looking at the starting here part. Not just starting with the church, but starting in here. Personal evangelism. Uh, we're not going to dismiss the services here tonight to go up there. And the reason why is your shepherd knows his sheep. And I know if I dismiss services so we can all go up there, you'll get a free pass. And there's no free passes. All right. So we're having services here at 6 o'clock. But if you'd like to go up, Randy will send a note home with you to verify that you were up there. No, he won't. Uh, but if you'd like to go up, he'd like to see you there. It's going to be more of an uh, evangelism, personal evangelism, mission-minded uh, uh, type theme. I want to look this morning, if I were to entitle the servant, it would be uh, another look at three old stories. Now, I don't want to say a new look at three old stories because it makes it sound like maybe we came up with something new at the scriptures. But it's another look at three old stories. We've looked at these stories individually. Each one of these stories, I've preached several sermons on. But I'm going to look at all three of them together, and there's a reason for that. Uh, as we look at the parables, the parables, illustrations that Jesus used to clarify spiritual concepts. And he spoke in language people could understand, so nobody could go away from there using the excuse they didn't know what God expects of them. Uh, and uh, the parables are also very interesting. What I'm planning to do is, if we've got about 12 weeks of summer, 12 Sundays in summer, is through the summertime is to walk through some, some of the parables. Can't cover all of them because there's too many for that. But that's what you can expect through the summer is to, to look at the parables. And Jesus spoke about a lot of different things. And today we're going to start with three old stories, but then we'll take another look. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read? Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? 
And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided unto them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer to be called your son, worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for making yourself very plain to us. We thank you for making your will very clear to us through the parables and the teachings of Jesus. We ask that you would be with each one here, be in our hearts. You know what we need, and we ask that you would deal with us in your truth and honesty, but also in your mercy. Take full control of this service. Make it what you want it to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> These parables are a response to some criticism that Jesus was receiving because the Pharisees, Sadducees, saw the people that were coming around Jesus. And they saw the tax collectors, call them publicans, and the sinners. Now, we all know that everybody's a sinner, but now the Pharisees and the Sadducees had an idea of who sinners were. And, and who the sinners were were everybody but them, pretty much. Uh, they called them the people of the land. And they were not going to keep company with the people of the land. They wouldn't even stop and be talking to them on the, the street because people would think, well, if I'm nice to them, they'll think I'm one of them. And definitely would never eat with one of the people of the land, whether it be a Jewish person that was wayward in the way they thought they should go. And these guys had about 
hundreds of different petty little rules that you would follow. Many weren't even in the scripture. And if you started ignoring some of those, well, then you got branded the people of the land. And he's responded to the fact that they were criticizing him. But notice what was happening. It says, tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus. Now, I've heard people say, well, that tells me that Jesus really liked the party because he was always rubbing shoulders with the party crowd. That's not what this says. It says they drew near to Jesus to hear him. Now, why do they like to hear him? Because he used parables and he could make the word plain to them and bring it down where they understood it. When Jesus finished with the Sermon on the Mount, it says the people were astonished at his teachings because he didn't teach as the scribes. He taught with authority. And so we know that they didn't come near to hear him because he sugar-coated things and just kind of said, oh, it's not that bad. You read the Sermon on the Mount. He went a step further. He said, you've heard it said you can love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, I'm taking it a step further. You turn the other cheek. You learn to forgive. You've heard it said, thou shalt do no murder. I'm taking it a step further. You're angry with your brother without cause and hate your brother. You've committed murder in your heart. He didn't water down anything. He called sin what it is, and they still drew near. Later on at the end of the ministry of Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, verse 57, the common people heard him gladly. Now, why did they hear him gladly? Because he explained it where they lived. You see, these parables reveal how much God knows about us. Now, in their culture, you can say, well, of course, we look in their culture and you say, Jesus had two parables that would appeal to everybody. The men and the boys could relate to the shepherd parables because the shepherd, they were outdoorsmen. They lived outside. They followed the sheep and led the sheep all over their pasture ranges. And, of course, what the men and the women could relate to. The women and the girls could relate to, of course, the losing the piece of silver, having to sweep the house. Of course, you know, it sounds like uh, people wouldn't want to hear that today in today's culture, but the women and the girls, the reality of it, they could relate to housework. So Jesus is talking about losing something, sweeping the house, looking around till you found it. But now let's look at our culture. You might say, well, none of this applies to us. Well, everybody in this room, men, women, young and old, whether you live in town or live out in the country, everybody in this room has lost something. Am I right? We've all lost something. Now, let's just go down the list. Hmm. Now, here's some things, of course, in our culture and in every culture. You ever lost a ring? You ever lost your wedding ring? You ever lost your watch? You ever lost your wallet? You ever lost a credit card? Here's something you might say. Here's our culture. You ever lost your car keys? Oh, man, it happens so many times. Sharon can tell when I've lost them. She'll see me walking through the house. What are you looking for now? I'm trying to keep it secret, you know, because I don't want to know I lost something. What are you looking for now? Your keys. Your phone. You ever had to call your phone 
to find it. I remember when pagers came out. I had a pager. And I'd keep it on vibrate a lot of times. I'd lose my pager. And I would call my pager. I'd turn everything off in the house and stalk it like a lion. I would listen for that pager to buzz somewhere. You ever lost something? Now, guys, you ever lost your pocket knife? Oh, now we're talking. I mean, you throw up couch cushions, you turn the recliner upside down, you go through every pair of slacks, you have to go through the washing machine and the dryer, you're trying to find your pocket knife, because now that's important. You'll do whatever it takes to find it. Because, see, here's what Jesus knows. He knows we lose things, but now he knows a lot more. He knows when we lose things, it really bothers us. So when Jesus wanted to get down on their level to talk about the love of God, he said, let me tell you about these people that lost some stuff. I mean, I'm saying he knows where we live, doesn't he? Now I want us to look at three, three parables together. We're going to look at a few things about them one at a time. But when you put them all together, another pattern starts to emerge. First of all, the lost sheep. The sheep is lost because of its own inattention. The sheep is lost because it wandered away. Maybe not intentionally, but because it wasn't paying attention, it wandered away. It wandered away because it was preoccupied with what sheep do, just that other mouthful of grass. And, and the thing about sheep is this. Sometimes they make bad decisions. You see, the shepherd could have a perfectly good hedge around the sheep. And they have everything they need in the hedge. But if they find a hole in that hedge or in that fence, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go through it. Now, there's nothing they need outside, but it makes a bad decision. So sheep are a lot like us. Sometimes we wander away from God. We're preoccupied. We're not paying attention. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Now, we understand the sheep, when it wandered away from the shepherd, was in dangerous territory. Jesus talks about the lost sheep. And the word lost is used twice in this parable. The word lost here in the original Greek means doomed. The verb tense comes from the same tense to perish or to be destroyed. So when Jesus used the word lost, it was more than just the shepherd didn't have his eyes on the sheep. The, the word is the sheep was as good as dead because it's so dangerous out there. And here's the thing about it. Just like people didn't realize what danger is in. People wander away from God and just don't realize how dangerous it is. But the shepherd knew. The shepherd knew of the dangers. And the shepherd knew it was lost before the sheep did. The shepherd knew that the sheep was lost before the sheep did. There's people. They don't know they're lost. That's why it's so important to bring the word to the world. Because they don't know they're lost and they need the shepherd. And then the shepherd realized the whole picture. You see, the sheep was important today, but the sheep had a lot of future potential that probably wasn't even aware of, but the shepherd was. Here's what I'm saying. The sheep was sheared every year, at least once a year, sometimes maybe twice, depending, of course, on the type of sheep, 
how much pasture, how, how well they ate. So at least once a year, they would shear the sheep and get money for that. And the average sheep would, would live about 10 or 12 years. So the shepherd saw the future potential of that sheep. Not just finding it today is going to help me today, but finding it today, I know what that sheep could produce and what that sheep can do. And you see, God knows the same thing about you and me. And a lot of times we undersell ourselves. Well, I can't do anything for God. I can't do anything for the Lord. What can I do? What good am I to the kingdom? God knows your potential. And God sees potential in you. And God knows what you can do for him that nobody else can. And you can reach people that nobody else can reach in a way that nobody else can reach them. God sees that. God is interested in you. And God sees your potential. And so the shepherd begins the search immediately. Now, we picture this shepherd just wandering around looking for the sheep. That's not the way it goes. Shepherds were expert trackers. And the shepherd would find the hoof prints of that sheep. And the shepherd would follow those hoof prints and could follow everywhere that sheep went. Knew everything about his business. Knows your footprints too. Can follow your footprints. Can follow mine. And in the course, knows everything. And pretty well knew the general direction where he'd find that sheep. Because he was finding the footprints. And tracking the sheep. And then when they finally finds it, it brings joy. It's a joyful day for the sheep, obviously, but it's also joyful for the shepherd. I was reading about this uh, parable and about everybody that was involved in being happy about this. Most villages had communal flocks. A lot of people couldn't afford a flock of sheep, so they all go in together, and villages had several flocks of sheep. And different shepherds, of course, were assigned to different flocks, and they'd take them out on the pastures, and then they'd be all coming in. And the shepherds that were coming in with the other sheep would report that there's a shepherd out looking for a lost sheep. The whole town knew that the shepherd was still out. And somebody was watching. When they saw him coming with the sheep, they said, here he comes, and the whole town gathered out there and rejoiced because the shepherd was back with the sheep on his shoulders. And Jesus said, that's the picture of the kingdom of God is we're looking for the shepherd to come bring another lamb back. And it says they were all happy. You see, shared joy is multiplied joy. And the village was happy over a lost sheep that is found. And you know what Jesus was saying? Cannot understand why you're not happy over people who are coming to me. But the Pharisees would rather see the lost, the sinners, the people of the land. They'd rather see them obliterated by God than saved by God. And Jesus said, let me tell you how wrong you are. The kingdom of heaven rejoices at one sinner that repents. What does it take to make us happy? 
What does it take to make us rejoice as his people? Then we have the lost coin. Now, if you see, take these two together, you see that the emotional investment increases. Because you might say, wait, wait, wait a minute. You mean one piece of silver, one coin was worth more than that sheep and its future potential? Well, I have to understand, it's not just a coin. Jesus chose his words carefully. Ten pieces of silver. Now, the Jewish young ladies knew what he was talking about. When a girl got married, as they could afford it, maybe as soon as she got married, there was a headband that had ten pieces of silver in it. It was a piece of jewelry. It was the equivalent to a wedding ring. So we're talking about this piece of of jewelry was so important to the Jewish culture, if your family got into debt and you had to forfeit your house to get out of debt, they could not take that piece of jewelry. It was so important to the culture, you could not collect it for a debt. It was part of that girl. It was part of that woman for the rest of her life. Now you realize she's lost a piece of silver out of that the emotional investment increases. Now we're talking about human relationships. Did you catch that? We're talking about a shepherd and livestock, and there's joy there. And then he says, oh, it gets more important than that. So he says, we have now a human element involved. The most cherished covenant relationship in the scriptures, the marriage covenant. Now that, that piece of silver is gone. And she's looking high and low for it. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She cleans places she had never cleaned. Now, now, I do the same thing when I'm looking for something, but I don't clean the places. It's all ruffled up after I, but I do look in places. I get flashlights and look under stuff and couch cushions and go through drawers and places that are so illogical for lost things to be found. But you know what? I usually find them in those places, but I'm looking. That's what happens to her. But then let's take it maybe at face value. Let's say the coin is just a coin. Even there, there's a lesson. Because as long as that coin was out of place, it was out of service. Let me say that again. The coin is out of place. It's out of its regular place. And as long as it's out of place, it's out of service, and its potential was reduced to zero. When we're out of place with God, we're out of service. And here's a telling story. And I liked one scholar, I can't remember who said it this way. The coin was still in the house, but it was out of service. You can still be in the house. We can be physically in the church and be out of service. Now there's something to think about. Its potential was absolutely zero because it was not in the hands of of the owner. Now, <clears throat> if I lose a hundred dollar bill, how much is that worth to me at the time? Zero. Absolutely has no purchasing power. It's a hundred dollar bill. Got the Benjamin Franklin on and everything, but I've lost it. I'm looking around the house for the hundred dollar bill. It's worth a hundred dollars. No, it's not. It's worth nothing because I can do nothing with it until it's back in my hand. And that's the way it is with our lives. 
our lives reach their fullest potential and their ultimate worth when we're in the hands of the one that owns us, God. So she sweeps high and low. How long? Till she finds it. He says, that's the way God is. Keep searching. Now, a certain man had two sons. Now the emotional investment is at its maximum. And then Jesus drives home the point. You know, a lot of times we'll preach on these parables and we'll take them one at a time. Jesus issued these parables all together. So he starts driving home his point. You see, the three parables reveal God's investment and effort to reach the lost. The shepherd searched, the woman at the home searched, the daddy kept his eye on the horizon. But the lost son enjoyed the blessings of being back at the father's house only after he made a decision to get back to the father. The daddy was looking for him. But only after he came to himself and said, I will arise and go to my father's house. He's not through yet. He actually went. How many times have we made good intentions? I know this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need to do. And we make good intentions when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, it's kind of like that $100 bill. How much worth are those intentions until we act on them? But if you look at the parable, he said, and he arose and went back to the Father. You see, he made the decision to return. And he acted on that decision. And you see, there's the difference between sheep and coins. God's done his part. You must do your part. And deliberately decide to come to the Father. We must do our part and deliberately decide to place our life in the hands of the Father so that we can not only be safe and in our place, but we can reach the best potential of what God has for our lives. We prepare for an invitation to Him. I don't know where you are, If you're here and you're lost, you've never, ever been saved and accepted Christ as your Savior. It's a dangerous world out there. The shepherd tracking you. That's why you heard this sermon today. He loves you enough to bring you the sermon, urging you to come to him. Maybe you hear and say, man, I kind of hit a nerve. I'm in the house, but I'm not in service. Find what God wants you to do. God has something for you. God has something that only you can do for him and only your way. And it's, it's a good thing. Find your potential. Find it. When we're out of place, we're out of service. There's too much at stake. And God needs folks willing to do his work. As we stand and sing, what number? 121. <clears throat>